All right, church. You have all seen these colors before, right? You know what this is for, right? These are sugar substitutes. Boohoo or woohoo? Okay, good. Okay, yeah, boo, 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 boo. Each of these colors represent a different kind, a different brand of substitute that the makers of these substitutes will say is actually better for you. It's actually healthier for you than what it is substituting. And the taste isn't that bad, right? So um, what's your color of choice? Huh? Vernon's like, no, no. Yellow, right, right. You see, my color of choice isn't this. Now, this is meant to substitute this, the OG, the original. But you know what? This, I don't even use this. I use this. I go brown, right? Because what the culture says is that this is not good for you because this is refined sugar. This is processed in a factory. And as a means of that being in a factory with human hands touching it, doing whatever they do to it, it's not good for you. But this, brown, this is raw sugar, right? This is the stuff. This is our sugar of choice every single morning. Well, for me, for my morning tea. Here's the thing. Sugar substitutes claim to sweeten just as well as the real thing. And I had to say thang, since we're in the South and we're talking about sugar. But you and I know from the inception that it is not, right? There's an aftertaste to one of those colors. You know what I'm talking about. Like it just screams fake, imitation, cheap replacement for the real thing. Here's the thing. The wisdom of Proverbs is that you and I have all selected not a sugar substitute, but a God substitute for our lives. It may not say this brand or this brand. I don't even know what this brand is. It claims to be natural. I don't know. Or this brand. But you can replace this insignia for whatever you substitute for God. You have a God substitute, and I have a God substitute as well. The claim of Proverbs is that there is no substitute that can satisfy your soul like God can. The most beautiful thing about God is this. You and I, we have all substituted God for something in our lives. Yet, on the cross, God's Son became our substitute for the things that we deserve. Therefore, only Jesus is a superior substitute. And any color that you choose to substitute for God, it may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but somewhere in your journey, that substitute that you've replaced God with is going to fail you. Amen? Okay, good. Let's get to our proposition. The big idea today is that 
the wise, the truly wise, pursue godly wisdom above all other options for the satisfaction of the soul. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? That is Solomon's major claim throughout these 31 books of Proverbs. Wisdom, therefore, doesn't come from you reading the latest New York Times bestsellers list. It's not going to happen. Wisdom doesn't come from you giving your life and your attention to following influencers on social media. That's actually the, the way to ruin. Some of you are like, influencers? What? But some of you know what I mean. Wisdom doesn't come from following your own voice. Wisdom comes from knowing that there is a God, that this God created all things, he created you. God isn't like the part of the universe. He created the universe. And that your life is best lived by knowing his promises and loving his presence in your life. If you do not fear God, if the presence and the promises of God are a hindrance to what you really want to do, an obstacle to the things you want to do today, or a nuisance you are going to replace God with a substitute. You're going to. Because you are a creature. You have been created with God, by God, to enjoy God above all things. You were created for enjoyment. And if it isn't God, you're going to pick a different color. Graves into Gardens speaks so well to this. It's why we did it right before the preaching. The opening lyricist, he says it, I searched the world, and it didn't fill me. Notice that I searched the world for God. He searched the world for substitute after substitute, experience after experience, relationship after relationship. The lyricist's conclusion, it didn't fill me. It didn't work. And then he begins to label maybe some of the things that he or she struggled with, the substitutes in his or her life, the praise of humanity, treasures that fade. And what was his conclusion? Never enough. Right? I think that's why we love this song at Heritage, other than our worship leader's scruffy, awesome voice at the end. Right? I love this song because it speaks to the fool who became wise. It speaks to the genuine Christian's story. The genuine Christian story isn't, I searched the world for this, I tried it, didn't work, so I went to the best of all, but then I decided to go back. That's not the genuine Christian's life. The genuine Christian has searched the world for a worthy replacement for God. It didn't fill them. It didn't work. That substitute left an emptiness, a bitter aftertaste, an ever-present reminder that life is not right. But then the lyricist continues, right? Then you came along. And what? And you put me back together. And every desire, even a desire for some sweetness in your life is now satisfied in your love. The desire for sweetness is still present in you and in me, 
But now the genuine Christian seeks not to go to substitutes, but to go to the best, pure, unrefined, raw sweetness that there is. That's Christianity. And that is the wisdom of the Proverbs. The songwriter acknowledges that substitutes sabotage. The desires that we replace God with destroys us. Now, your brain may still be sending impulses and your heart's beating and your tummy's rumbling, but that does not mean that you are not living a destroyed life. Yet God has mercy, puts us back together because Jesus is the one and only worthy substitute. Today, you have many options to feel significance and to experience satisfaction in this life, right? Many things you could actually be doing right now to replace being the body of Christ with or by. Many options out there. You have many voices, internal and external, that will tell you, no, 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 what you're doing right now doesn't really satisfy. It's a waste of time. Go do this. Go do this with this person instead. But they didn't create the world. They didn't create you. Therefore, they are not the authority on the subject. You see what I'm saying? Only God is. But you can make a decision today to turn to civic righteousness as your substitute. I'm going to let this yellow packet be civic righteousness. Being good and doing good with my time here on this earth. But you know deep down that human goodness is never enough. It is a short buzz, right? You do the soup kitchen, and you wake up the next morning, and you still feel the same way. You can turn to sex and romance to feel significant, to feel loved by someone, to feel satisfaction. But here's the thing. No matter what you do, no matter how you dress yourself up, there's always somebody prettier, right? There's always somebody younger. There's always someone that's more socially convenient than you, right? No matter how good the relationship feels right now, you are not going to sustain that high forever. You can turn to family, and you can turn to parenting for your significance and your satisfaction. But the reality is, and many of you know this, children grow old and leave at some point, right? You can turn to a job and find significance in making money and performing a role. But many of you have had this in your story that you know that that organization or that business can always find somebody younger than you and can always find someone cheaper than you to do what you currently do. And you have been left in the ringer that you have broken your individual life, your marriage, your family, your home, your relationship with God to serve mammon and it left you high and dry, right? The wisdom of Proverbs is this. You can search the world for significance and satisfaction, and you're never going to get it. It is never going to fill you. So today, in our two Proverbs, we're going to seek to do three things. You are going to see what God's wisdom is for us on the topic of significance and satisfaction. We are going to see how we should rightly see and respond to God and his word, which are the things we try to substitute in our lives. 
And then we are going to end by seeing how wisdom can fill your soul like no other. And I hope you get the points at the end. Let's get started with our point for the day. In the first chunk of our Proverbs, we're going to see that wisdom provides a deeper satisfaction than all of your substitute pleasures. God in his wisdom, which is Christ Jesus, is the deepest experience of satisfaction and significance that your soul truly needs. It is a beautiful thing to be a spouse. Amen? It is a beautiful thing to be a parent. Amen? Love it. It is a beautiful thing, right, Vernon, to be a grandparent. Did you see his baby, his grandbaby this morning? It's a beautiful thing. The Bible does not discredit that, and nor am I. But it is something even more special, even more beautiful, even more precious to be able to call this creator, this God, this king, my God, my king my Redeemer, my Savior, to be loved by God so much that he would substitute the real deal, the real thing, the apple of his eye, the one and only Son in whom he is well pleased, Christ Jesus himself, for you. That's the beauty. But here's the brokenness. You and I, innately, independently, naturally as human beings, we don't believe this. We're like, okay, Pastor, you're claiming that God is this. But I got the suspicion that, isn't this the one with the, yep, but God is really this. Humanity doesn't believe this, so we replace the experience of God with substitutes. That is what Solomon and the proverb writer is going to push onto us today. The experience of God's wisdom in Christ Jesus is a deeper experience of satisfaction than whatever it is that you are currently turning to if you have given up this for this. That's what Proverbs is saying today. The wise acknowledge this. But the fool rejects this. I pray that God gives you the wisdom and the discernment today to acknowledge that for whatever the cause is, that in this season of life, that you are currently turning to other things or you're currently turning to other people to do something for your soul that God didn't create those things or those people to do. That he only gave you one and one thing alone, which is sufficient to deal with your soul, and that's your true substitute, Christ Jesus. That's what I've been praying for you all week. So let's get started. And we'll begin by pulling together verse 5 and verse 7. So here's what Solomon says. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. Do not forget, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. The beginning of wisdom is this. Acquire wisdom. And with all your acquiring Get understanding. I want to pose Solomon's teaching to us as a question really quick. Why do you today, right now, need to acquire wisdom? Think about that. Why is this charge, this imperative, go do this? Why is this? The answer is that right now, naturally, the reader does not have it. You may not have it. 
I may not have it. Solomon says we need to acquire wisdom because naturally you and I are prone to wander. We are prone to forget. We are prone to turn away from wisdom, from God's word. To turn away, you must turn from someone or something and then turn to an alternative, a substitute, something or someone. That's the alternative. That is the substitute. It is quite natural, quite human for you and for me to forget and to turn away from God's word. I've told you how hard Monday morning devotionals are, right? It's hard for me. So you must sweeten your tea with something. So what is it going to be? You are wired to find significance, to find meaning and satisfaction in something. God created you to enjoy him above all things. But if you reject this, what's it going to be for your life? Because it's going to be something. Today you need to consider that God, in all his wisdom in Christ Jesus, can do for your soul things that your substitute cannot do. But to do this first, you need to confess. You simply need to agree with God. Yes, right now in this stage in my life, I am substituting you for this. Even if you attend church, even if you're religious, even if you do things for this church, you can still replace God with someone or something else. If you don't believe this, I think this is also the wisdom of God in Romans chapter 1. If you don't believe this, then go. Go search the world. Go pick any color that you want to sweeten your life with. And you will be left with that disillusionment, that disenfranchisement, that it's not right. It doesn't taste right. It's, this is artificial. This is fake. It doesn't satisfy. So today, Solomon is calling on you to acquire wisdom by pursuing God's word. God's wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is acquiring. Solomon straight up says this, right? The beginning of wisdom is acquire it. This means reading, observing, interpreting, applying God's word for yourself. The very subject of our discussion this past Wednesday night at Gather. And if you missed it, Come on this Wednesday, because we're continuing the discussion and the experience together of acquiring God's word personally. All right, let's look at verses 6 and 8 and 9. Solomon says this about God's word, about God's wisdom. Do not forsake her, and she will guard you. Love her, and she will watch over you. Prize her and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a garland of grace and she will present you with a crown of beauty. Solomon here is personifying wisdom as a woman. 
He does this in part, though we're not going to other Proverbs this morning, because he also personifies our adulterous hearts as a woman as well. So there's two women calling throughout Proverbs. Wisdom and adultery. Wisdom and adultery. And you're left in the street. And which voice are you going to follow? But in the final sense, you and I know something that the wisest man who ever lived did not know. That Jesus is the word and the wisdom of God. But look at what wisdom does. Wisdom promises to guard, to watch over, to exalt you. Wisdom promises to crown your head with true grace and true beauty. Remember back in May. Charm is deceitful. Beauty, it is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord, she will be praised. Now, take a moment and look at your substitute. Is your substitute going to guard you? Going to watch over you? Going to exalt you? Will the pursuit of money as ultimate guard watch over exalt you? Will that romantic relationship always be there for you? We give a resounding nope. Negative. Only God's wisdom displayed in Christ Jesus will guard, watch over, and exalt you with grace and beauty. God the Father left his son unguarded so his son could protect you. That's the cross. God the Father didn't watch over Jesus on the cross. So Jesus could watch over you. God the Father humiliated Jesus so that he could lift you up from the miry clay. Do you see it, heritage? Jesus is what your soul needs. Therefore, the ultimate wisdom of Proverbs is to pursue God as your highest calling in life. The reason why you woke up today isn't in the ultimate sense to be with family, to go work a job, to do whatever your hobby or your pastime is today. The reason why you live and move and have being is that you have an ultimate calling in life, and that is to know and experience Jesus for yourself. That's why you are alive today. Now, Solomon is not saying that marriage or friendship or money, or family, or hobbies don't have some role to play in your life. That is not the teaching of Proverbs, nor the teaching in the Council of Scripture, nor it's what your pastor believes. What Solomon is saying is that those things, however precious, they're not ultimate. They're not the ultimate reason why your brain is sending electric charges and your heart is pumping. That's not it. They're not ultimate. Jesus is ultimate. Solomon is saying, don't set inferior things to satisfy the ultimate things that your soul needs. So what I'm calling on you to consider today, so that if this is you, that your desires need to be reordered. I'm not saying if marriage is high on the priority list, or the highest, that you should take it off the list. I'm saying Jesus needs to top the list. Family, marriage, providing, having pastimes, whatever. 
They have a place. They have an order. But it's not ultimate. Solomon's call for you today also is for you to act. There are things that you must do. You must put yourself in a position to acquire God's word. To read it for yourself. To consider it for yourself. To act on it for yourself. And there are corporate and there are personal habits that go along with this. Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, our discipling ministry that we call kindred, they're all of Heritage's corporate pathways to give you habits that you can carry over into your personal habit of acquiring God for yourself. God is all of this for you in Christ Jesus. So don't forsake wisdom. Love wisdom. Prize wisdom. Embrace wisdom. Can you see how emotional and how personal some of these actions are? Prize her. Embrace her. Because a relationship, a true relationship with Jesus is a personal thing. Jesus said that the great commandment in the Bible is to love God, and the very first thing he says is with the whole heart. Solomon would say, amen, my great, 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 great grandson, and my savior, and my God, and my king. So we turn to application, and we ask, all right, how should we respond? Here is the application. If this is true, then you and I need to pursue wisdom as the superior satisfaction of the soul. Replace the substitute with the OG. Now we turn to another wisdom teacher in Proverbs. Proverbs 24, verses 13 through 14, applies Solomon's initial teaching on the role that God's word plays in our lives. And the claim is that wisdom is the sweetest thing that your soul is ever going to experience, and that all other experiences pale in comparison. Let's take a look at the verses. My son, eat honey, for it is good. Amen? Yes, the honey from the comb is sweet to your taste. We're good with verse 13, but look at, <laughs> but look at the connection of that the wisdom writer makes the verse 14. Know that wisdom is thus for your soul. If you find it, then there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Proverbs calls on you to taste wisdom, to experience wisdom, in a similar way in which you would experience and taste honey. Wisdom is the honey of this verse, and the call is to eat it, to enjoy it, to experience it, to digest it, to let it nourish you and strengthen your life. Because the Proverbs writer claim is that honey, all of these, all right, you know how I love throwing things. i got to get out of the way. It's falling down anyway. All of these pale. Honey is the superior sweetener, healthy and sweet. God's wisdom in Christ Jesus is like this. Not for your belly, but for your soul. Now here's our illustration. And with that, I need, I need my wife to come and help me. Not to pick this up. 
Like, why does she need to help you from? Thanks, brother. Oh, it's been a while since I've done this illustration, right? We had a trial run of this yesterday, and Jesse would probably be proud to say that he got to experience a trial run of it. <laughs> I'm sorry, church. It's been a while since the Saber series when Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. But, you know, as a church family, you get used to my illustrations, right? Tell me to calm down or, oh, yeah. That, that's why, Vernon, I did not want you to hear this this morning. Yeah, because I, I know that he would be he would be salivating. Oh, this morning while you were sleeping, we were baking away. Not only that, we're praying for you. We're praying for you to really come to the conclusion that God's word is the sweetest thing that you need. You don't believe it. I've been passing you for a while, and you struggle to believe this. But God's word truly is sweeter than honey to the soul. I'm just going to take a moment... I'm going to get this bread ready. Irish butter. Salty, creamy, delicious. Not that land of the lake stuff. Irish butter. Superior butter. Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. I really struggle with that sometimes. Jokingly, jokingly. Because I love bread so much, which you know. There's a point to that, which I'll get to. Mm, oh, but wait, there's more, right? As the infomercial salesman says. As of right now, I mean, this is not, man doesn't live by bread alone. <laughs> Delicious. Man does not live by bread and butter alone. So pure. Just, it's just streaming, right? And now? Let's top it up. Big bite or little bite? Well, I could put this whole thing in my mouth, but I still have to preach. I don't think my mother-in-law believed it until I lived with her. I put a piece of pound cake in my mouth once. I, she could not believe that that whole thing fit in. Hmm. Who needs water right now? Water for the soul? Maybe. Hmm. Right? But here's the thing. Right now, this is only my experience. I've only made you hungry. I've only ruffled some feathers, right? Stomach's growling, right? C.S. Lewis says this, that God has created you above all to experience pleasure in God. That's why you're created. And your experience of God is incomplete until you share it with another. Right? Brother, come on up here. Sorry, Vernon. 
Do you want more honey or is that good? No, I, yeah, I think that's good. You're, you're kind of. But turn, turn to the people. Okay. Everybody watch me eat bread. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just bread. It's Are bread you watching? <laughs> yeah, we're watching. Look, it's pretty good. Oh, toast? No. Cheers. It doesn't need to be toast. It's still warm. William, you can take that little slice back okay. to you now. Mm. Right now, this is my experience. This is William's experience. But it's not your experience. <laughs> he's getting ready to share that with his wife, as he should, because not all who wander, who wander, are lost. That's a good homage to Tolkien. Um, my experience of this cannot satisfy your stomach. My experience of this can only point for you to come and experience this yourself. Acquire wisdom. Acquire understanding. That's how Solomon says it. His dad, David, would say, taste and see that the Lord is good. But you cannot do it. If you think that the goal of your life is to trade God for your substitute. You have a substitute today. You do. The call is, can it be better than this? No. Maybe some beef wellington, but maybe. The Proverbs writer says, know that wisdom is the honey, not for your belly, but for your soul. That's the connection. I love God's word. It is a part of my normal, not perfect, but normal, everyday pattern of living. But my fear as your pastor, that it's not yours. It's not yours. I think you like God. I think you like his church, maybe some of us. I think you like the idea of the Bible, but then the end of Exodus happens, right? And then Leviticus. And... But it isn't a central part of your diet. You have other habits that are, for some reason, you think is more important more fulfilling than eating God's word for your soul. God's word is the honey that your soul has been looking for. Not sex, not romance, not the job, not the pay raise, not the children. God is the honey. It will strengthen you like nothing else. I want you to think about for a moment, I want you to think about Jonathan, King Saul's son, the one in whose soul was knit with David of Bethlehem. Jonathan, like David, was for his father a military general, captain, strategist, warrior. And Jonathan was fighting a war for his dad. And he was tired. He was victorious. His men were tired. And unknown to him at this time, his father made this order that until he heard news that Israel was victorious, 
and they avenged his reputation that no one would eat. And if anybody ate, they would be cursed. Oh, but you know, when human authority likes to put themselves above God's authority, crazy things happen. Eventually, Jonathan didn't know about this order. His men were starving, and he finds a honeycomb. I want to read this with you. It's 1 Samuel 14. And it says that Jonathan hadn't heard when his father put the people under oath. Therefore, he put out the end of the staff that was in his hand. He dipped it in the honeycomb. He put his hand to his mouth, and look at the effect. His eyes were brightened. Do you see that? That's observation, just seeing what's there. Eating honey brightened Jonathan's eyes. That's the intended meaning. The sweetness of the honey woke up Jonathan from his lethargy. Rightly so. Big battle, big victory, weary. His men, weary. God's word, application, functions like this for your soul. Why? Because the Proverbs writer says that wisdom is the honey for your soul. It brings the dead back to life. Wisdom is sweeter than the honey that William and I and Jonathan tasted. God is better than this slice of bread with the Irish butter and the awesome Uruguayan honey that we just ate, that's even a word. Proverbs 16, verse 24. Solomon says, Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. I think this is why Solomon says that the beginning of wisdom is just to acquire, read, get it. God's word is honey to the soul. And that experience, it changes you. And the number one thing that changes is the heart. And from the heart, Jesus says in his wisdom, the mouth speaks. There's a connection between how you speak to people and what's going on in the heart. No excuses. The wise know that they have a ministry of words. It can be used to hurt, and it can be used to heal. It can be sweet to someone's soul. It can be healing to their bones. If the pleasant words of another person can do this for you, imagine what God's word, as honey to your soul, can do for you when it is spoken to you, when it is read and understood correctly corporately when it is properly applied personally. Imagine how sweet. And then finally, a little bit of David's wisdom. Psalm 1910. Psalm 1910. David says, They are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. King David, King Solomon, the other Proverbs writer, believed this about God, believed this about his word, but in application right now, you have to ask yourself, do you? Do you? 
How does this fit into you today? Application. Here's my concern. As your pastor, who have loved you for years, some of you decades, do you realize that? Decades now. I'm getting that old. You see the things of this world as something that can fill you better than God. You hear that God's word is sweeter to your soul than honey is for your belly, and you're like, "Mm, no, no. But the encouragement to Proverbs 24 is that if you find God in his word as sweeter to your soul, then you're going to have a future. And you're going to have a hope. And this hope is not going to be cut off. That was verse 14. See and savor God's wisdom in Jesus as honey for your soul, and you will have a hope and a future. Therefore, a hope and a future is not found by replacing God as the honey for your soul with your substitutes. That decision will ruin your future and it will cut off your final hope. A hope and a future is found when you see and you taste for yourself personally that God's word in Christ Jesus is the honey that your soul is looking for and what your soul really needs. So Heritage, some, some of you need to acknowledge and agree with God that he, right now, for whatever the primary cause is, he is not the honey that you are currently seeking to satisfy your soul with. If you can acknowledge that, you're in good company. Because every true Christian has had, is having, and will have that experience. Because no one can feel that way unless God the Spirit is truly working in them. No natural man says, oh God, forgive me for Thinking other things can satisfy me better than you. Non-Christians don't talk like that. Non-Christians don't feel like that. Non-Christians don't struggle like that. There's nothing for them. Like, who cares? Proverbs has a warning today. There is no long-term hope. There is no long-term future for the person who thinks that there is something out there that is sweeter for the soul or more sweeter for the soul than God. So will you simply agree with God that he is right and that you are wrong? And sometimes that being wrong is a good place to be. But you've wasted your life on things that will not satisfy you. Jesus became your substitute on the cross, taking on what you deserve so that you can put away the substitute today. Jesus died to put you in a position to experience that he is the honey that your soul really needs. And if you do this, if you do this, you'll find yourself just at the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom is sweeter than honey for your soul. It is what your soul is really looking for really longing for and what you have covered up with your substitutes. Are you just leaving with the bread? Yeah. 
And that is the reading and the preaching of God's word.